0: From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's Common Sense Conservative Commentary from Todd Starr. That's, us, that's right. I love this American ride.
1: Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the program. Great to have you with us today on this very busy Breaking News Monday. And we've got a lot, a lot of information to get through. So, uh, folks, here we are. We're down to uh, two candidates in the race for the presidential nomination on the Republican side, Donald J. Trump and Nikki Haley. And, uh, folks, I'm telling you, we are we are in for a knockdown, dragout fight here. And uh, we're going to get through all of that um, over the next little while. Also, uh, I'm going to weigh in on, the, uh, on what happened with Ron DeSantis over the weekend. Now, a lot of folks may have been surprised, but not yours truly. And here's here's the reason. Here's the reason why uh, this campaign was doomed from the start, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first of all, I I think DeSantis uh, did the right thing. I I think he came out of the gate and uh, he was a very statesman like about um, uh, what happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have a little bit of audio from. Uh, Governor DeSantis, cut number five.
2: Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100 percent of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over.
1: All right. Well, there uh, he said all the right things, and and again, uh, you have to you have to appreciate the fact that he came out and he endorsed Donald Trump, and uh, we'll see we'll see how all of this plays out. Is he going to be the uh, vice presidential nominee? I don't think so. But I'm I'm curious to hear from you. Who would you like to see as Donald Trump's VP? Do you believe that Ron DeSantis could actually help move the needle for people? Could could Ron DeSantis be that unifying factor that brings in all the disciples of DeSantis into the fold? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, there's new polling data out of New Hampshire where the, the, the meager DeSantis supporters are actually siding with Nikki Haley. And she's got some problems of her own. But this is going to get ugly because the establishment Republicans now understand that Nikki Haley is it. That's the last, that is the last gasp they have. So they are putting millions and millions of dollars into her campaign. As a matter of fact, next week uh, in New York City, after the New Hampshire primary, uh, she is hosting a major fundraiser in New York City. So is this going to be, is this going to work? Is that going to move the needle much for Nikki Haley? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it does tell me that the big money people in the party, the, the Koch brothers, for example, they're getting behind a Nikki Haley's campaign here. So it tells me that the big money, the power brokers in the party are going to do whatever is necessary to stop Donald Trump from being the nominee. I still don't think it's going to work, folks. This is not a campaign we're talking about. We're not. This is not a campaign that Donald Trump is running. This is a movement. This this transcends politics. What is happening right now with Donald Trump? And when you when you see what was going on in New Hampshire, you understand why DeSantis was calling it quits. I mean, that guy's campaign was was dead on arrival. But I'm telling you right now that we are dealing with a movement here that transcends the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, the Libertarians. This is something that that is very rare. In, in modern political history in America, where you have a man who by all I mean, let's let's get real here. If this had been anybody else, there's no way that a man who was could be spending the next seven hundred years in jail. And and keep in mind for a second here, I, I just want to make a point here on this. If Donald Trump is convicted of all these trumped up charges, he will face seven centuries in jail. Do you understand how insane and off the charts the hatred of this man is right now? They want to destroy this man at all costs. And it's not just the Democrats. So do the establishment Republicans. So do the the people who run the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. the, the, the deep state. So don't be surprised by what happens between now and Election Day. And a lot of you have been asking about uh, the son of George Soros. And and we're going to get to that in, in just a moment. But Alex, so wait, you know what, we'll do it now. Alex Soros posted a very disturbing image on Twitter. And it's got a lot of folks talking. the The photograph was a not-so-subtle suggestion that Donald Trump should be assassinated. I mean, this is, it's pretty shocking, but the image includes a bullet through a window and then it includes cash that adds up to $47, which is alluding to the fact that Trump would be the 47th president. So this is, this is the kind of danger that, that is being directed at Donald Trump. It's a scary thing, but they are going to try to stop him no matter the cost. You know, a lot of people may not be aware that Donald Trump is the only former president who still has his full Secret Service contingent. Once a president leaves office, they scale down, but they haven't done that with Donald Trump because of the death threats that the president and the first family have been getting. So this is a big deal, a very big deal. And we just have to hope and pray that that Almighty God protects Donald Trump um, over this next little while. Because there could be, look, it's just a very dangerous time right now in this country. And there are a lot of unhinged people who hate Donald Trump. And we just have to hope and pray that the Secret Service is able to protect this good and decent man. So, look, um, we've got a lot to get through today, and, and I will say this about, about Ron DeSantis. I, this was a campaign that was doomed from the start. And the reason why it was doomed from the start is because his wife wanted to run the campaign. The, Mrs. DeSantis, who I'm sure is a very lovely lady, she has an incredible story. She survived cancer. She's raising these beautiful children, but she knows diddly squat about politics. And she's the one that was pushing her husband to make these changes. And the, the, the truth is that Ron DeSantis was not the Ron DeSantis that everybody else knows. Not the Ron DeSantis that won re-election as governor of Florida. And it showed He was not his authentic self. Donald Trump, what you see is what you get. But Ron DeSantos was was trying to be something that he was not naturally, and it showed. There was no connection with the voters. It was one of the worst-run campaigns in modern American history, and quite frankly, there should be a lot of enraged donors. Well over $100 million was squandered. And just think about this, $100 million that could have been used to go after the Democrats. Not to mention these online surrogates, these influencers, who were among some of the meanest, nastiest people. And let me tell you something. Some of the evangelical uh, never-Trumpers out there, some of the evangelical pro-DeSantis crowd, especially among the millennials, some of the most vile things I have ever seen coming out of their mouths. It's just unbelievable. Those people made it even worse. So, no, I am not surprised, and we told you about this from day one, Uh, DeSantis now saying, you know, maybe I shouldn't have shut out the media. Well, we tried to tell you, sir, and maybe your staff shouldn't have treated people like jerks. Just positing that thought out there. All that to say, this is Donald Trump's race. That's it. And the sooner that Nikki Haley and all the others come to terms with this, the better off we're going to be as a as a party and as a people. But I want to throw something else out there. And this happened earlier today on Fox and Friends, where Steve Ducey came out and and look, let's get real for a moment. Can we just let's just get real. Fox News Channel is not what it used to be. And it's pretty clear that they were in the tank for Ron DeSantis until that ended up poorly. And now they're turning their attention to Nikki Haley. And there was a Nikki Haley love affair today on Fox and Friends. You might have seen Judge Judy. And Judge Judy's out there, and she's campaigning for uh, Nikki Haley now. And 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 Steve Doocy and the conversation turned to the pro-life issue. Now, we've touched on this a little bit on the program, but there has been an effort within the party leadership to move the Republicans away from the abortion issue. They don't want the abortion issue to be anywhere in the Republican Party platform. So Ducey comes out today on Fox and Friends, and you might have seen this, and he says that, you know, maybe what we really ought to be doing here is um, we ought to be looking at the Democrats. And he said the Democrats are going to be focused on what he called, and these are his words now, reproductive rights, and said that reproductive rights um, are a winning issue for the Democrats. Now, that's a load of hooey. And by the way, that is code language right there. I mean, that is the language that the leftists use. We're talking about abortion rights. It's not pro-abortion anymore. Now, Ducey and the folks on Fox & Friends are calling it reproductive rights. So let me just offer this thought out here, and, and I'm curious to hear your take on it as well. The day that the Republican Party stops being pro-life is the day I stop being a Republican. So they need to they need to take that thought right out of their brains, lickety-split. All right, uh, we've got a lot going on today. We're going to be opening up the phone lines. 901-260-5926 is our number. That's 901 901- two six zero five nine two six this is the todd stearns show hi this is todd stearns and i want to update you on my calitrin journey i'm still losing weight i'm also sleeping a lot better and i've got a lot more energy calitrin really is about more than just weight loss here's my good friend elizabeth from calitrin
3: yes y'all every day brings a chance to start over and so if you've already messed up your new year's resolution don't give up yet you can lose the weight Get fit, get healthy in 2024 and Caltrin can help you. We're we've got a huge 86% success rate with Caltrin. With 90 days of Caltrin, you're gonna be looking better, feeling better. It's safe. Even if you're on medications, you can lose the weight safely with Caltrin. We've been helping customers lose weight since 1997. So if you're if it's your time, go on our website today, toploss.com. You're gonna stay big. It's ten dollars off every single month of Caltrin. That's toploss.com. T O P L O S S dot
1: com. And be sure to use that discount code Todd. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us on the uh, program today. Trust you're doing well and had a good weekend. Man, it is so bad in, in Memphis, Tennessee. May I just say, uh, we have been uh, controlled, ruled by uh, leftist Democrats for generations, and this once beautiful, once prosperous city—it's we can't even—we don't even have enough snowplows in in Memphis to uh, clear the roadways. We had a snowstorm. What was it last weekend? And schools still closed. Uh, was at the was at the Kroger over the weekend and they're literally rationing dairy products. So you're only allowed to get a certain amount of milk. Uh, you, you can't, you're only allowed to get a certain amount of water. As a matter of fact, the water system uh, has been, we've been under a boil advisory since last week. But again, this is what happens when you have Democrats in charge and they do not keep up with anything, right? It's um, the Democrats are like the neighbor who doesn't mow the grass, and the, uh, the the gutters are hanging off the house. The paint's peeling off. They never take care of the infrastructure. And then all of a sudden, when you know something happens, you're screwed. It's terrible. So anyway, thoughts and prayers to our great listeners on KWAM in Memphis, Tennessee. So back to uh, the back to the situation in New Hampshire. Folks, I'm I'm telling you this is the moment that the party must unify around Donald Trump. And I get it. I know Nikki Haley and she's out there playing the race card, she's playing the woman card, and we're going to get to some of that in just a little while. But I'm telling you that we have too much at stake here. We cannot allow the Democrats to have another 4 years in office. Can't let it. We just can't let it happen. All right, let's go to the phone lines, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. Rick, uh, listening to us on WTJS in Jackson, Tennessee, wants to weigh in on Nikki, Haley, and Fox. All right, Rick, what you got for us? I
4: really appreciate you, man. And thank you, Lydia. Uh, Fox is, uh, really bad. And, uh, uh what's his name, the top dog on there. Deucey, Steve Ducey. Sean Hannity. Uh I could go on about him. Uh he's really kind of a lightweight. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh Nikki, I'll leave you with this on Nikki just real quickly. Did you ever see a movie, uh The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean? with uh, Paul Newman and Ned Beatty
1: and that. It's been a he long was, time.
4: It was He was the judge, jury, sheriff of a little town out west, and he uh, ruled with an iron fist, but he crossed the line. The town's main uh, business, one of them was prostitution in that little town, and uh, he, they had finally had enough. He had uh, called them bad names all along. The whole town showed up and came out, and he uh, he apologized to them, and he said, I want to tell you, ladies, that I'm so sorry, but at the end of his apology, he said, but I do want y'all to take note that I did not call you, and he had a whole list of w- the worst words for a woman he could, so... That's for Nikki and Fox. I don't have much good about them, now, and I appreciate what you're doing. Frankie Lacks here and some others. Uh, Fox is a joke, and from what I All understand, right. through, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Rick, yeah, we're coming up on a hard break here, but but we, I, 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 I hear your point, and I think it's well taken, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat. Uh, they, they have a lot of unkind things to say about Fox News, and the fact that they have betrayed the viewers who made them the, the most uh, popular you know, conservative radio or television network out there. And Fox Radio is just full of leftists. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate what's happened there. But all I can say is this, and Rick, thank you for that call. All I can say is this is one of the reasons why so many people are embracing Newsmax. Because it really is, and they've got a great slogan, Real News You Can Trust. They present the news, and you get to decide for yourself. That's the way it used to be over at Fox, and you know, fine if that's that's the business model, then that's the business model. I mean, what what do you want me to say? But um, as for me in my house, I know many many people in our neighborhoods uh, have switched over to Newsmax because they feel like they're being respected and not disrespected, not taken for granted. And I can tell you on this program, ladies and gentlemen, we don't take anybody for granted. We work hard for every single one of our listeners out there. All right, folks, hang tight. Again, our telephone number, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. We'll be right back. MyPillow is celebrating its 20-year anniversary with over 80 million Pillows sold. Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in the history of MyPillow. You're going to get their queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more, you're going to be able to get a king-size pillow. You're going to receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products like bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing Amazing product you've had your eye on. Go to mypello.com slash starns. That's mypello.com slash starns. Use the promo code Starns to get this amazing offer of the Queen Size MyPello for 1998 or call one 800 839 8506 The offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's mypello.com slash starns. Use the promo code starns or call 800 839 8506 Promo code starns. by the way, the latest Harvard-Harris polling data out there, Trump 53%, Biden 47%. So that's uh, Trump up by six points there. Um, This is, uh, look, folks, I'm telling you, this is going to be an all-hands-on-deck effort to defeat the Democrats and to stop the steal at the ballot box. And uh, one of the interesting components of all of this, and uh, this hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but did you realize that on in the, in the last presidential election cycle, the, the ballot count was halted at the same time, the exact same time, in five battleground states? Now, that, that's unheard of, ladies and gentlemen, and there, there may very well be um, a legitimate explanation for how the ballot counting stopped at the same time in five specific battleground states, I haven't heard that explanation just yet, and it would be nice to uh, get an explanation. But I'm telling you, folks, we have got a fight for the nation on hand. Another bit of information that came out over the weekend, there are now some there are now allegations out there that the FBI may have been responsible for planting fake explosive devices outside the RNC and DNC headquarters on January 6th. You know, to this date, we have yet to find out who was responsible for all of that. I want to go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Honored to have with us the author of a brand new book out called True Blue. He is the host of American Radicals podcast, and he is a whistleblower, an FBI whistleblower. Steve Friend joins us today. Stephen, hope you're doing well. I'm doing well.
5: Thanks for having me today.
1: So I, I'm want to initially. I want to initially start out by getting your your reaction to these reports out there that the FBI may have been behind uh, these fake devices that were planted outside the uh, the political headquarters.
5: We keep having these questions raised in the aftermath here in the last now. It's over three years since this incident transpired, and we are just not getting sufficient answers to stop us from asking these questions. Um, you know, I have cultivated my own sources here and talking to other people. Uh, who have more knowledge and there's, there's other issues that have not even come to light about the fact that with this device may have had some components that were known to be training components uh, for department of Homeland security uh, devices There were agents who were uh, given initial information about a license plate for someone who might have been connected to the pipe bomb, and they were pulled off of that and told to go back to Washington field office to answer leads that were coming in about potential grandmothers who walked through the Capitol. So it's definitely an issue of triaging and prioritizing where your resources are going to go. Uh, and we just remain, uh, the FBI continues to uh, avoid any sort of scrutiny, answering any questions. And here's, here's one more thing that uh, it's always been, I found very curious. There's always been an assumption that the, the pipe bomb is connected to the Capitol. Uh, that is assuming fact, not in evidence. Who's to say that this is just not a completely separate incident, but for whatever reason, politicians, leaders of the FBI, the DOJ, and media have connected them all, but I don't think they're connecting anything else that happened that day. Maybe violent actions in Southeast Washington D.C. to to uh, to the Capitol. But for whatever reason, this is a uh, th- this is furthering the narrative, which to me uh, raises more questions than answers.
1: So, so you had this really incredible career in, in law enforcement. You started out as a beat cop. Um, you became an FBI agent, and and you became a whistleblower. Uh, I want you to take us through that that process. When did you decide, and I have to imagine that was a pretty difficult decision to make, um, when did you decide you needed to stand up and speak out?
5: Well, the process starts in the very beginning. All FBI employees go to the Holocaust Memorial and the MLK Memorial, and the purpose of that trip is to teach you that if you think that the agency is off the rails, you have to throw the flag because if you don't and you just follow orders, then that's how genocides and civil rights uh, atrocities can occur. So for me, after having um, investigated violent crimes for about seven, eight years, and then moving over to work on child pornography and being taken off of that and told that January 6th was a greater priority, I got my first look at those cases, and it was immediately apparent to me from my experience and my training that the FBI was departing from its rules and then willing to use some highly aggressive tactics to bring people who said they would cooperate into into custody, they're going to send SWAT to a person's house who said he would surrender. So uh, it was it, it was not a, a a it was a simple process, not an easy one. Obviously, I I really enjoyed my job and was successful at it. But to me, that my oath of office uh, meant more to me, and and, and that's uh, what I brought forward to my leadership. And they facilitated my removal within 30 days.
1: You know, Stephen, we were watching the events of January 6 unfold live uh, on my on my radio program. And at the time, and I, and I still believe this to be the case, you know, if, if someone was there and committed a crime that day, they should be punished. They should be held to the fullest uh, extent of the law. But but it just a lot of stuff never added up. And the simple fact that they would not um, address how many FBI agents were there that day, uh, how many FBI informants might have been involved in the planning of that day, The fact that they were sitting on that information and to this day are sitting on that information has always rubbed me the wrong way.
5: Well, when it comes to January 6th, and I've been sort of typecast as January 6th whistleblower, uh, it is the worst uh, symptom of a problem that exists in the FBI. And that is the mission creep that has set in specifically since September 11th, where the national security branch has grown out of control. And you combine that with the quota system that exists in the FBI that's called Integrated Program Management, IPM, and it dictates the number of cases they have to open and it rests the tools that they have to use. And the FBI is always looking for opportunities, which is counterintuitive for law enforcement. You, will, you want law enforcement to bring crime down, but the FBI is now incentivized to bring crime up, which is why they're going after January 6th with such gusto. And here's something that might interest your audience most. There are senior executives in the FBI that get financial compensation because they're hitting their quotas. Thirty to fifty thousand dollars added to their compensation because their subordinates arrested the right number of people from January sixth.
1: It's that's shocking. Uh, it's I mean, and at that point you have to wonder. All right, well, how, are are they trumping up charges just so they can get a few extra bucks in their in their bank account at the end of the day?
5: that was my primary concern, one of my primary concerns when it came to departing from the rules. To me, I, I feel like that is uh, information that should be given over to a defendant. If I'm the agent on the stand, his defense attorney should be entitled to ask me, agent friend, did you arrest my client because your boss needed to get a bonus? And for being a process guy, I'm all about fair process. I want to do a buttoned up investigation. In fact, that the FBI is departing from its own rules. Uh, I, I was fearful that even if it was a righteous prosecution, uh, the, the, the worst defendant in the world still is entitled to due process and civil rights. And the FBI has now put not just its thumb, but its entire arm on the scales because they're not interested in a fair process. They want the wins and losses columns to be advantageous to them for their financial reasons.
1: It almost feels like to some extent that the FBI is becoming sort of like this um, sort of like a a police unit that we would see in the old Soviet Union or, or in East Germany. And people almost live in fear of, of having that, not the knock on the door, but the door being knocked down. And we certainly saw that with moms and dads who complained at school board meetings and, and the pro-life uh, crowd.
5: That is absolutely what's happening, because the FBI is no longer a law enforcement agency. It's a domestic intelligence agency, but they still have the gun they still have the badge they still have the ability through force to take your freedom or even your life away from you and that is something that traditionally in this country when it comes to law enforcement that's that's not what we have that's what the Stasi has the Cheka and the KGB uh, and I think people are now coming to learn that lesson and it's it's uh It's been a long time in coming. Certainly, the FBI has a history of going after vulnerable people. We saw that in the aftermath of 9-11, that they were trapping vulnerable Muslim Americans and labeling them homegrown violent extremists. And now it's the domestic violent extremists. And then the most recent one is the anti-government, anti-authority violent extremists called an agave and that's someone who just has a perception of government overreach or illegitimacy or negligence, which I think you could probably characterize 56 men who signed a Declaration of Independence fitting, fitting that bill. And now you will be in the crosshairs of the FBI as a domestic terrorist.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, Steve Fred is on our Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line today, author of the, the book True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. Uh, you folks in the Memphis, Tennessee area Uh, He is going to uh, be at um, the at the Great Hall in Germantown tonight at 630. And uh, you'll want to um, uh, to attend that gathering. Um, And again, will will there be books available, Stephen, if people want to get a copy of the book? I'm going to
5: have to give out signatures only right now. Due to the weather in uh, West Tennessee, the books got held up. But uh, as we move through the state uh, in central Tennessee and east Tennessee, we'll have copies there. And I'll All make right. sure I make anybody whole who has not, uh, not given that. So I ask your grace on that one, folks.
1: Um, well, no problem. Look, we we get it. Uh, everybody is still iced, uh, iced out uh, here uh, in this uh, part of the country. Um, Real quick here, Stephen, what is the message that you want to convey to folks um, about the FBI and what can we do to fix? I mean, I've been calling for it to be dismantled and defunded, start over again. Can it be saved in its current form?
5: I share your sentiment. I don't think that it, it can be salvaged. I think, though, that we can encourage our elected officials to do something that I've not heard suggested from anybody else, and that is to just disarm it defund the armed special agent and force it to partner with local agencies, with local sheriff's offices, who would then be deputized with federal arrest authorities. And that way, your sheriff, who's most accountable to you through the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, can stand in the gap and be a bulwark against an out-of-control FBI and say, I'm not interested in what your quota says, FBI. You're not going to go after grandma who walked to the Capitol. You know, we have a problem with drugs, and you're going to route those resources there, and we're going to pursue those cases.
1: Good stuff. Well, uh, congratulations on the book. And uh, what are you doing now? So you were suspended by the FBI. What are you? What are you up to these days?
5: Well, these days, uh, in addition to, to doing the, the podcast that you mentioned earlier, the American Radicals podcast, which is on Rumble, folks can find. Um, I am a fellow at the Center for Renewing America, and uh, this and their sister organization, the Citizens for Renewing America, they're the ones putting on this event tonight in Germantown. And I'm working there as a fellow on domestic intelligence and security services, so hoping to stay in the fight from the outside to bring about some, some major reforms to, uh, to the FBI and other federal law enforcement.
1: All right, good stuff. Well, uh, Steve, uh, we wish you nothing but the very best, and we thank you. You're an American patriot, and I know it uh, came at a great cost to you, uh, but um, uh, we, uh, we certainly hope that this turns into a great best-selling book.
5: Thank you very much, Todd. Have a great
1: one. All right, you too. Uh, Stephen Friend, everybody. Again, the name of the book, True Blue, and he hosts the American Radicals podcast. We've got links to all of that over on our live show blog. But it's really shocking. Thank goodness that this guy had the courage to stand up to the FBI. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, But he is uh, telling his story, and uh, you folks in uh, the KWAM listening audience – Uh, He's going to be in Memphis tonight, well, in Germantown, at the Great Hall, starting at 630, and it is open to the public. So I would encourage you to go down there, hear his story, and just be aware that you have a major government agency that has been weaponized against the American people. I mean, that's the heart of the message here, and we've got to do something about that. All right, um, our telephone number is 901-260-5926 again 901 260 5926 you know all this weekend my tv was glued to newsmax plus they had some of the best political coverage out there uh reporters and anchors boots on the ground in new hampshire and i want to encourage you folks if you haven't done so you got to check out the newsmax plus streaming service I subscribed and love it. You're going to be able to get all of the great programs from Greg Kelly to Eric Bowling, Greta Van Susteren, plus lots of movies, documentaries, and history shows as well. Newsmax Plus just started about a month or so ago. More than 180,000 people have already signed up. And best of all, you can watch it wherever you are, on your home TV or on your phone app. Uh, Newsmaxplus.com, Newsmaxplus.com. Free to start, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. You can start your free subscription. If you don't like it, then don't get it. But you're going to love it. Trust me. All you have to do to get started is go to NewsmaxPlus.com. Hi,
6: everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now.
0: 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, You folks in um, Massachusetts, the uh, public school districts, uh, one of the public school districts there, giving children an assignment. Uh, By the way, this was uh, given to students in seventh grade, and uh, one of the parents was enraged and uh, reached out. This was New Bedford, the New Bedford School District. And uh parents there really upset, uh, the children were given an assignment. They had to do an internet search for songs about sex and songs about being LGBT. <laughs> you can't is there is there such a I mean, are there LGBT songs out there? Uh, we, we had the one oh what what's the one from San Francisco? Remember that one? where We had the uh, San Francisco gay men's chorus. We're coming
7: for your chance
1: hands jazz hands boys uh that was the <laughs> dylan i want you to find the longer version of that song um yeah, so the uh in, in this particular case the uh, children were assigned a task you had to find sexual language in music um four to six songs that contain message about sexuality lyrics to the songs and they all had to be written down Also, they had to post the circles of sexuality in group covenant charts. The children were also told to do an internet search on phrases like songs about being gay, lesbian, bisexual, or queer, or songs about sex, and you have to choose two of the songs to play in the group. I wonder if YMCA, does that qualify? I mean, that was you know was it donald trump said that's like the official gay gay national anthem right that's i don't know Uh uh-oh come on boys come on girls oh yes everybody young man there's
8: no need to feel down i said young man Get
1: yourself off the ground. I said, Young Man. Oh, it's fabulous. A fabulous, boys. So, anyway, thank you, Mr. President, sure for that. By the way, they're not playing that song. Dylan, I know you're a big sports guy. Uh, the Super Bowl coming up, and they're going to be playing the, uh, the black national anthem, and then they're going to play the real national anthem for everybody else. But uh, somebody asked us. I got a text over the weekend, uh strange what about the what about the gays? Are they going to are they going to be celebrating, you know, the, the gays during the the Super Bowl? And um because you know it's all about balls, right? The the football, well, the football of course. Uh but I I no, they're not, and and I know that's gonna that's really gonna anger uh, you know a, a lot of people out there. But they will not be uh, posting the gay flag, the rainbow flag, and they will not be performing YMCA at um, at the Super Bowl. Where is it going to be in Vegas? I don't even know. They're probably going to lose a lot of viewers for that, though. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, you know they. And
9: if Taylor Swift's not there,
1: I wonder who their favorite tight ends are. I'm just. <laughs> Goodness. I'm just saying this. That was inappropriate, but still. But in all <laughs> in all seriousness, no Asian American national anthem, no, no Hispanic national anthem. Not, no. I I I don't know what I don't know what to say, ladies and gentlemen. It's just they're they're so intolerant. No diversity at all. All right. Um, all that to say, you people in Massachusetts homeschool your kids. I mean, come on now. We'll be right back, folks. Hour two coming up.
0: Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's conservative blowtorch. That's us. That's right.
1: I love this American. Is it is it just me or is anybody else rooting against the Kansas City Chiefs R- right it's Lord is it is it wrong that in my evening prayers it was Lord please please protect the Baltimore Ravens perform a mighty deed Lord is that inappropriate Dylan I know you're you're a huge huge football fan and uh there are a lot of very disappointed people in Buffalo today Oh, yeah. That wide right. The poor kicker. Tyler Bass or Bass. So what's the deal now? I You were telling me that uh, something's happened to the poor guy. Yeah, I just
9: saw that he had to deactivate his social media from all the hate that he got from Bills fans. <laughs> wow,
1: <Well>, that's <laughs> harsh. Guy. That's harsh. But, you know, they they have it rough in Buffalo. They you do. Know, it never thaws out. They're, it's always frozen, and the teams are like, eh, you know.
9: yeah. The Bills and the Chiefs have always had this like rivalry where the Bills have never actually been able to beat the Chiefs when it comes to playoff time. So this is this one just hurts.
1: What's going on with the Kelsey brothers though? So Jason Kelsey, he was shirtless. Yeah. And and it was what three degrees. And the guy's running around drinking what is he drinking? Is it bush light? Probably. Oh, that's unfortunate. Or bud light. No, I don't think he's drinking Bud Light. Mm anyway he's uh anybody else just sick and tired of these guys I mean it's uh, the brothers is just too much and now every time the guy you know had a good play he would do the little heart sign with his fingers to <laughs> oh to a uh, Taylor Swift yep and uh, nobody wants to see the hairy man poops I'm just uh, maybe I'm only speaking for myself but I don't think America needs to see that I don't think you are but every single time there was a play they would always the camera would pan up to Taylor Swift. It's just getting to be too much. That's
9: why I'm hoping for these Ravens, man.
1: They got they've got to they've got to do it. They've got to do it for America. They've, this is terrible. Anyway, by the way, what's up with this guy? Does he like shave under the have you you saw the the belly? It's like there's like an area where he started to shave the hair and and then he stopped.
9: Maybe he's got hair problems, Todd.
1: It looked like somebody just, like, swooshed some Nair, you know, the uh, lady hair removal product, right across the um, – it's under the boobage. I'm just – I'm sitting – I can't – I got to stop looking at this. Anyway, uh, it's unfortunate, but this is – the the Swifties, is that what they call them, the Swifties? Yeah, the Swifties. All right, Lydia – is Lydia nodding her head? She – and not that she's our expert on this, but – yeah, all right you always th- just
9: assume that if there's if there's a girl here that they are a Taylor Swift fan wow that it may not be the case
1: wow Grace Baker is already texting me oh yeah that's okay all right well there you go uh, that's the state of affairs in the National Football League these days uh welcome everybody to hour two of the Todd Sterns radio program great to have you with us our telephone number 901 260 5926 that's 9012605926 want to talk about Nikki Haley for just a moment. And as a southerner, this story really just rubs me the wrong way. So Nikki Haley has been out there playing the woman card. And anytime it's really funny because she would get up there and she was like, you know, I'm a woman and I can take it. You know, I'm just throw it. Give me your best. And so when they do, all of a sudden, she turns. How dare you? How dare you attack my child? I feel disrespected as a woman. Oh, OK. Well, you asked for it, lady, and, and now you're getting it. So I don't see where you can really complain. Anyway, Nikki Haley is an Indian American. And now she's playing the race card. So she's been under fire because she refused to say that that the Civil War was was fought over slavery, which it was in part. There were other issues involved in that, but I don't want to quibble, and we're not going to get into that today. But now Nikki Haley is on the defense, and I have no idea why she is doing this because she's only digging a deeper hole. So Nikki Haley goes out there over the weekend, and she talks about what an awful, terrible place the Deep South was growing up as a child. And here's what Nikki Haley had to say about that cut number 3.
6: We were the only Indian family in our small southern town. I was teased every day for being brown. So anyone that wants to question it can go back and look at what I've said on how hard it was to grow up in the deep south as a brown girl. Anybody can look at my record and see when Walter Scott was shot down by a dirty cop, how I made sure that the Walter Scott family didn't suffer because we put the first body camera bill in the country in place. Anybody can look at the fact that when we had nine amazing souls die in Mother Emanuel Church, I did something that no Republican or Democrat ever wanted to touch, which was call for the Confederate flag to come down because it would take two-thirds of the House and Senate and was an impossible feat. I don't know what you're implying with that, but what I will tell you is, saying that I had black friends is a source of pride. Saying that I had white friends is a source of pride. If you wanna know what it was like growing up, I was disqualified from a beauty pageant because I wasn't white or black, because they didn't know where to put me. So look, I know the hardships, the pain that come with racism. It's the reason that I fight bullies every day when it comes to racism, anti-Semitism, or hate, and I always will. If I didn't mention slavery on that day, it's because that's an automatic. There's always been the Civil War's always been known about slavery.
1: All right, so a lot to unravel here, and first of all, it's important to get our bearings. And um, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask you, ladies and gentlemen um, of a certain age. Um, do you believe what this woman is saying, that the South was in fact racist? Now, some of you might be thinking, oh, Nikki Haley grew up in the 1950s and the 1960s in um, the segregated South. But that's not true. That is not accurate. Nikki Haley was born in the year of our Lord, 1972. So if you're doing the math If she was doing beauty queen pageants, that would have been in the mid to late 80s that she was doing that. So Nikki Haley would have you believe that there were still segregated beauty pageants in the South in the late 1980s. Now, that may or may not be the case. I find it very hard to believe, and I find it especially hard to believe that when she went up and registered for a beauty pageant they would not let her register because she was a person of brown skin now those of you watching us on our youtube live right now and i would encourage you to hang out with us i'm chatting in the commercial breaks on youtube live i um, i'm they put my makeup face on for newsmax and i had that done before the the national radio show starts right now Todd Starnes is actually a darker skin color than Nikki Haley is. So when you go back and someone has actually found photographs of Nikki Haley as a teenager, very beautiful by the way. She has the big poofy 1980s hair. That was kind of a thing back in the day. And she looks she looks wider than a gallon of milk. I I'm I'm telling you it's something's not adding up here. Nikki Haley says that she was made fun of every single day for being a brown person in South Carolina. That's what she said. I just find this very hard to believe. Now, she is Indian American. Her parents came here from India. She says she was the only Indian American child in the the town. Okay, but does that mean that she was subjected to racism every single day? That's what she's alleging. And she says that she just had a very difficult time and that she was rejected from a beauty pageant simply because they didn't have a category for brown people. Any of you believing this? And here's here's what I don't get, and I would love for someone to explain this, to, and maybe Nikki Haley could do that. We're going to ask our friend Caleb Park over at Newsmax. I think he's coming on the program tomorrow. We're going to ask him. He's covering the Haley campaign. If he would mind asking this question on our behalf. And here it is. I'd like for Nikki Haley to explain how all of these racist white rednecks in South Carolina set aside their prejudice and their racism and their bigotry and elected her to the governor's mansion. Not once, but twice. How is it that a bunch of raging racists, I mean, if you believe Nikki Haley, The good people of South Carolina back in the late 80s, early 90s were running around in white bedsheets, burning crosses on the front yards of the Indian American people in the Palmetto State. I would just, I would love for her to explain how all of that happened. Something's not adding up here. So, do you believe Nikki Haley, ladies and gentlemen, do you believe that she is uh, the victim of racism in the Deep South? 901 260 5926. That's 901-260-5926. Now, we are, Nikki Haley and I, are in the same age range. I grew up in, um, in the Deep South, grew up, spent my growing up years in Mississippi, right across the state line from Memphis. And I can tell you, at that stage of the, at that stage of the South, we were all going to school together, the black kids and the white kids. We had black school teachers. We had white school teachers. And I can tell you, as a child growing up, I don't recall any of that kind of nonsense going on. That's not to say it didn't happen. I'm just telling you, from my experience and my vantage point, that did not happen. So I'm just wondering, ladies and gentlemen, if you're buying what Nikki Haley is selling. And it's really sickening to me that someone like Nikki Haley, who rose to the highest levels of government in South Carolina because overwhelmingly of all of those white voters, now she's going to turn around on the national stage and accuse all of us in the deep south of being you know, a bunch of, of rednecks running around without any shoes, burning crosses, and riding around in pickup trucks and white bed sheets. That's not who we are. And shame on you, Nikki Haley, for smearing the good, decent, church-going people of South Carolina. I would have thought that you were better than that. What a horrible thing for a woman to do. Or for anybody to do, for that matter. There he goes again, playing the the woman card. That's right. Shame on you. Clearly, she did not win Miss Congeniality in those beauty pageants. All right, our telephone number nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. That's nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. And I just get fed up as a southerner because I will I will say emphatically that when it comes to race relations, the South has a better handle on race relations than any other part of this great nation. You want to see segregation, go up to New York City and go check out Harlem. Go check out Spanish Harlem. I'm telling you, folks, this is bonkers crazy. The South is not the South that Nikki Haley just described. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back uh, to the show. By the way, uh, Congressman Scott Perry uh, from Pennsylvania is going to be here a little bit later on. Also, uh, for the Newsmax TV show, Walker Wildman from the American Family Association joins us to weigh in on the New Hampshire primary. And Mary Walter and Ben Dieter uh, will be joining us uh, as well to uh, weigh in on this next crazy story I want to share with you. And this one is a doozy. So uh, we have been following for quite some time the, uh, the war on women and the attacks by members of the LGBT community on women who were born women. So this latest story comes from the world of ladies' professional golf, the LPGA. A male golfer who is cosplaying as a woman, his name is Haley Davidson, And he just won a huge golf tournament for women in Florida, the NXXT Women's Classic. The tournament's mission, by the way, to empower women in golf, which was just won by a dude. Senator Ted Cruz pointed out a very interesting um, observation here. If there are no differences between men and women, why does the LPGA even exist, right? Right. I mean, if you've played golf, you know that the men typically will tee off from the men's tees, and then there are the ladies' tees, which are just a smidge closer to the to the hole. Anyway, Mr. David, Davidson is saluting his uh, victory. He has apparently undergone hormone replacement therapy and medical mutilation surgery. In other words, he lost a pair of golf balls, if you will. Megan Kelly, one of the few conservative pundits out there who's actually talking about this issue, I, I have total respect for what Megan Kelly did over the weekend, because we've been doing this for a long time on this program, and we get a lot of blowback over it. But, you know, Fox News actually uses preferred pronouns. If you read the Fox News story, they call the he a she. And as Megan Kelly said, this is wrong. The he is a he and the she is a she. The he cannot be a she. The man is wearing a golf skirt for crying out loud. Really should shave his legs if you're going to do that. Megan Kelly says the correct pronoun is he, he won, not she. It's a great example of how using preferred pronouns obfuscates the offense. If a she had won, there'd be no problem. Pronouns are a gateway drug to a very sick ideology. She is absolutely correct here. Anyway, we have a survey going on our website, Toddstearns.com. Should men be allowed to participate in women's sports? <laughs> 99% of you, hundreds of people weighing in, 99% say absolutely not. And by the way, we have video of this guy. Uh, over on our website, com. Not a single word of criticism from the feminist in America. Not a one. So there you go. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's go to the phones here. Jerry in Arkansas, listening to us on KWAM, our flagship station. Hi, Jerry, what's on your mind today?
4: Hey, Todd. It's good to talk to you. I confess,
10: though, I thought I was calling me Brown i All request lunch hour. I wanted to hear the B.G.'s classic, Fanny, be tender with my love. <laughs>
1: but, hey, sorry about that, Jerry. <laughs> as, as long as I've got you on the phone,
10: I've had a theory for three or four months now, and the people to ask are the MAGA folks of Florida. But I wonder if DeSantis hasn't done irreparable damage to his career. Uh, is he in his second term as governor can he run for governor again
1: no he no you're right Jerry he's in his second term can't run again and I'm with you on that and Marco Rubio he was very telling in his comments about about um, DeSantis said he had not talked to him in a very long time that's odd
4: my
10: thoughts were and maybe some Florida callers could help me out with this but uh if he was up for another term in a good america first freedom talk is style primary camp i don't think he'd even make it out of the florida
1: primary jerry it's a good question to raise we're coming yeah we're coming up on a break here so we're going to ask that question and open it up to our callers and, and you raise a it's a great question uh what's up with governor rod DeSantis, ladies and gentlemen do you think if he was able to run again would he be able to even win is his is his career in politics over our telephone number, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. This is the Todd Stern Show. You know what I find interesting about the the current crop of politicians out there on the Republican side, there are not that many that are actually of the same mindset as as Donald Trump, except for one in particular. And I've sort of had this uh, on again off again uh, relationship with Vivek Ramaswamy. But I will say this: that he's doing all of the right things. I I think he came right out of the gate. Um, and he has become a just an incredible Trump supporter. As a matter of fact, uh, Ramaswamy is going to be at the rally tonight in New Hampshire with the president. So is Tim Scott. So is uh, Doug Bergram. You know who's not going to be there? Ron DeSantis. I just um, I don't know. I DeSantis. If you go back and look at his at his remarks when he dropped out of the race yesterday. There was really a there was a dig at President at President Trump. Can we go back? I want to play what DeSantis said.
2: Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100 percent of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. Okay,
1: stop right there. That is not exactly a compliment that he gave, right? Because, (laughs) I mean, he may as well have said that, you know, Trump is superior to uh, Kamala Harris. Well, of course he is. Anybody is. A frog on the side of the road has more common sense than Joe Biden does. so it's there was almost like this kind of like whininess to 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 DeSantis in his concession address. And why did he need to bring up the whole China virus and fauci? I the, the, anyway, all that to say, he's it sounds as if he may have been a sore loser, but you know what? It's hard. you've put you've poured your life into it. Over a hundred million dollars of other people's money, and then when you come up and you can't even you can't even pull about five percent in New Hampshire. Yeah, I get it, but there's still a way to do things. So anyway, um, DeSantis will not be there tomorrow or tonight, but the others will. I don't see anybody else but Ramaswamy who is going out there and who is attacking the media. Attacking these Democrats, going after the globalist like Ramaswamy is, except for Donald Trump. So, hear me out on this. Is it possible that Ramaswamy could actually be a good running mate? That Ramaswamy could be the guy, could be that gateway into some of these demographics that typically and traditionally do not vote Republican? One of the things that really impressed me about, about Ram, Ramaswamy is he's able to go in and have these conversations and debates with people, and he doesn't shy away from anything. You know, DeSantis and Haley are shutting down anybody who disagrees with them. Over the weekend, I think the Daily Mail got banned from covering Haley events because they wrote about her alleged infidelities. They They're no longer welcome. Laura Loomer, who has been a fierce, I don't think there's anybody as fierce as Laura Loomer out there. She's been a fierce defender of Donald Trump, and she's been banned from every Haley and DeSantis event. They actually have the police on the lookout for Laura Loomer, who is a just a, a devout Trump supporter. And that's their right. They can do that if they want to, but Ramaswamy doesn't do that. Instead, he invites the protesters to come up on stage, have a conversation, have a debate. I like that. So anyway, I'm, I'm curious, um, the pros and the cons of having Ramaswamy as Trump's running mate. He certainly is a young guy. And that could certainly be refreshing to a lot of younger voters. 901-260-5926. Pros and cons here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what was that story? Where is? (sighs) Ah, yes, here we go. This story from California. The In-N-Out hamburger chain, celebrating its 75th anniversary, by the way. Dylan, have you had the opportunity to enjoy a delicious double-double from In-N-Out? I have not. All right, we're going to get you to California, and we're going to get you to try one of these burgers. Sounds it's a good. pretty darn good burger. Best part they actually cut their they they actually cut their fries from the potato in front of your very eyes. And they're very delicious. Anyway, in and out, family-owned burger joint, kind of like the official burger of our Lord, Christian family, they put Bible verses on all their packaging. They're shutting down their store in Oakland, California. They've been in Oakland since well, I think 18 years now. And they are going to be closing their store because of the insane crime in Oakland. Cut 18.
7: In-N-Out Burger says it'll close its Oakland restaurant, and the company says crime in the area is to blame. The Oakport Street restaurant is located in a strip mall off I-880 at the Hagenburger Drive exit. It is the only In-N-Out in Oakland. This location opened 18 years ago. Now, the company's said business was good and profitable, but the safety of its customers and employees there was in jeopardy. In-N-Out sent me a letter explaining the decision, saying there are regular car break-ins, property damage, theft, and armed robberies. The last day of business will be Sunday, March 24th. I spoke with a longtime customer of the in and out who says in recent years he has had to take precautions.
10: I would do like I think a lot of other people are starting to do, just leave your windows down. You know, like the at least you won't walk away with a broken window.
7: Now, in March of 2023, Raising Cane's, which has a restaurant in that same strip mall, switched to drive through only in response to car break-ins in the parking lot. In that letter from In-N-Out's chief operating officer, he writes, Our top priority must be the safety and well-being of our customers and associates. We cannot ask them to visit or work in an unsafe environment.
1: All right. So city leaders say, "What what crime? There's no crime here. No big problems. They actually interviewed the police who said there have been hundreds of car break-ins and one in and out had to go and use money out of their own pocket to hire a security guard. And even with a security guard, they're averaging five car break-ins every day. It's so bad. This restaurant, by the way, is about about a couple of miles, about two miles from the airport. Car, the car rental companies are telling motorists, whatever you do, don't, Don't leave your car unattended and do not fill your gas tank up anywhere near the airport because it could get stolen. That's how bad things are. But city leaders, and keep in mind, these are run by Democrats, are saying, eh, we got no problem here. It's all good. Everything's hunky-dory. And and you watch what's going to happen. You're going to get all the activist crowd in there, and they're going to say, well, In-N-Out's just racist. They don't want their hamburger joints in our communities. Well, no, they do. As a matter of fact, it's a pretty darn profitable venture there. But the problem is everybody's getting broken into and the, and the employees are getting robbed. So here's a thought in AACP. Why don't you start policing your own people? Why don't you start doing that? All right, let's go to the phone lines here. 901-260-5926. Steve, WDUN, our great affiliate in Georgia. What's on your mind, Steve?
11: Hey Todd, great show! Glad you're bringing up the uh, the VP people. Um, I think Ben Carson for VP because he's t- he, he's he is so calm, but he's so principled. And Ramaswamy for press secretary. I want to see those press conferences, Todd. I want to see those. I I would love. I'm I'm imagining them right now in my head. What Ramaswamy would do to those pressers from the left
1: they would have to have a team of psychologists and counselors on hand i, I think you would see an entire yep. press court just become discombobulated <laughs> yep so i like wouldn't so, that be lovely i you know i come to think of it that would be a pretty awesome fit there um ramaswamy as press secretary steve i good thoughts i love dr ben carson i think he would make a terrific vice president and president the question is his soft and quiet demeanor is that going to be a detriment out there on the campaign trail that would be my only concern
10: i don't think so he's such a good
1: guy oh no doubt about it. Knows it no doubt about it steve we got you down folks what do you think about that steve says ramaswamy for press secretary well that would be kind of entertaining Our telephone number again, 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. Speaking of press conferences, I just thought this was a fascinating story, and I've been following it for a couple of, well, about a week or so now, involving uh, UFC and one of their former champions, a guy by the name of Sean Strickland. And uh, he's a pretty outspoken guy, Strickland is. And uh, he got himself in a little bit of hot water with folks uh, when he went on this uh, tear about the transgender LGBT stuff. And and again, what this has to do with, with mixed martial arts fighting is beyond me. But you know all these woke sports journalists? That's one of the reasons why Sports Illustrated went belly up. Maybe instead of putting a big fat woman on the cover in a bikini, Maybe they should have gone back to the other way. I'm just saying. No, I'm not being, I am not anti-fat or fat-phobic. I'm just saying there are some things that you don't want to see on the cover of a magazine. And an overweight woman in a bikini is one of the, an overweight guy. Woman we'll just talked about Kelsey's brother. Nobody wanted to see that. Put a shirt on, sir. Put a shirt on. Anyway... Um, so so Strickland's coming under fire, and he's not having any of it. And I say good for him, and we cannot actually play his remarks. Dylan, it would have been every other word you would have had to have bleeped out. But he gave the reporter the what for. So anyway, um, another woke sports reporter went after Dana White and demanded to know what he's doing about Sean Strickland. And here's how he responded.
9: About, like, You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about, you know, what they can say when they are up there with a
11: UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia, like,
9: is there... I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you... A leash? I'm... Like... Free speech. Control what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people... I don't tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes. On any of them. What is your question?
11: I was asking that question. I'll move on, though.
9: Yeah, uh, probably a good idea. You should, that's ridiculous to say. I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want and they can believe whatever they want.
1: Well, good for you. Good for good for you, sir. And this is. And by the way, this is the correct way of dealing with these people. Right when the reporters ask these questions. It's important for you as a politician. It's important for you as as a as a fighter. It doesn't matter what you are. Um, I will say this, ladies and gentlemen, that you have a responsibility to put these reporters in their place. And good for you, Dana White, for showing and leading the way here. All right, we got to take a break. Again, our telephone number nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. This is the Todd Stern Show. Welcome back everybody. Good to have you with us. By the way, Nikki Haley needs to be very careful here. Um she's now questioning President Trump's mental acuity. I mean, come on. Give me a break, lady. Unbelievable. Uh let's go to the phones here 901-260-5926. Michael in Baltimore, our great affiliate there WCBM. Hey Michael, what's on your mind?
8: Hi, Todd. Uh what's on my mind is uh I don't like uh for vice president Vivek or ben carson because they're not experienced in governing i like uh governor christy Nome. uh she was a a house of representative in congress and she's a successful governor and she's very loyal to president trump
1: christy Nome would be a a terrific choice i i think she's uh, been very loyal to president trump uh, she is certainly an America First uh, governor. Uh, she, I think she did an even better job than uh, than DeSantis did during the the China virus pandemic, keeping her state open.
8: I I think she did. I have a question for you about her, Todd. Uh, I just want to make sure she's pro life, Christy No.
1: Oh, she's rock solid pro life.
8: That's that's important to me. Uh, so yes, I'm I'm one hundred percent behind Governor
1: Christine Doe. So look, you know, and Michael, good good to know, and we appreciate you listening to us there in Baltimore. We love our great, uh, great friends at WCBM. I will say this about the life movement, and, and folks, we're going to pay very close attention to this, but there are efforts to move the Republican Party to the left, or at least to the center left, on the abortion issue. And when that happens they're going to risk losing every pro-life, pro-life voter in the country. And that's why Ducey was out on Fox and Friends earlier today talking about reproductive rights. And Ducey was, uh, and to, to his credit, Kilmeade comes out and said, well, look, that's just, you know, that's code for pro-abortion. And he's absolutely right about that. But it's interesting that even Fox and Friends now is advancing the notion that reproductive rights – is actually the winning issue and not the life issue. So, Mike, my, my question to you, have you noticed over the the past little while, have you noticed another shift to the left at, at Fox News? Have you noticed that they're they're moving things to the to the to the left? But they're being very strategic about it. As a matter of fact, there's a new program coming out this on um, the weekends, a Jimmy Falias show. And he said uh, in one of the uh, industry trades that he wants to have a he wants to have a bipartisan show. So he wants to uh, to have everybody on his program, ladies and gentlemen. That is code for I'm a leftist, right? That's the code. There are already plenty of television networks out there that will embrace the leftist. Do we really want Fox News to do that as well? Is that something that you – I mean, basically, they're wanting to be a centrist network. Instead of being a conservative network and embracing the values and the ideology that made them the number one cable television station in the nation, they're wanting to abandon that and move to the center, basically becoming CNN Light. And I certainly hope the weekend show, and I wish that guy all the best. But if if you're telling me that you're going to have, you know, this, um, I don't know, coffee clatch of Democrats and Republicans, I don't think that's going to work. I mean, would you watch something like that? Is that something that appeals to you as, as a Fox viewer? Again, this is why 180,000 people have signed up for Newsmax Plus. I'm just telling you all right uh folks gotta gotta call it there uh, again our telephone number 9012605926 hour three coming up.
0: From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee... It's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's us, that's right. I love this American
1: ride. Todd Star. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, hello everybody. Welcome to the program. Hope you're doing well. Hour three of the big show. And we also want to welcome all of our great viewers over on Newsmax 2 today... Hope you folks are doing well um, as well. Uh, wow, we've got um, a lot going on this hour of the program. Tonight, President Trump holding another big rally in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley now getting a lot of support, financial support, from establishment Republicans as well as uh, the Koch brothers. And it's going to be an all-out war, ladies and gentlemen, an all-out war. But President Trump yesterday... What a remarkable sight where you had thousands of people waiting in line for hours in the frigid cold, thousands of people wanting to see President Trump in New Hampshire. And what I found striking is when you look at Nikki Haley's events, not many people are showing up. The support is not as raucous. Uh, the crowd's not as enthusiastic. It is clear to me, and it should be clear to pretty much everybody in the nation, that Donald John Trump will be the nominee of the Republican Party. And every single day that Nikki Haley stays in this race is another day where millions of dollars are simply being squandered. And and for what? When you look at what happened with Ron DeSantis, over a hundred million dollars he just wasted. For for what? A five percent five percent support in New Hampshire. It's absolutely just insane that Ron DeSantis stayed in the race as, as long as he did. So anyway, um, I, I want to continue the conversation we had towards the end of the last hour. And and the question at hand is, who who looks good for Trump's VP? Now, President Trump is out there saying he's going to be making up his mind over the next couple of months. He says he has one person in mind in particular, did not name that person. But here's what's interesting. He told reporters only about a, he's got that individual, whoever it is, has about a 25% shot of being uh, his vice president's wedding gate. I mean. That tells me that the president may be undecided here, and the president, quite frankly, may still be looking to see how some of his former opponents uh, do out on the campaign trail. Right now, i got to tell you, I I, I like Ramaswamy. Uh The guy is young. He is energetic. Um, he is certainly getting on board the, the Trump train. And he is a fierce defender of President Trump and the American First movement. So I don't, I don't see anybody else at this point showing that sort of ferocity out there on the campaign trail. Others, however, uh, say we had a caller uh, earlier who said Ramaswamy would make a, a terrific press secretary. No doubt about that. I, I think Ramaswamy would do a good job if that were to be the case. I want to play some audio here uh, from uh, President Trump. And uh, he's going to be—he's going to be pretty serious about getting down to business. Cut number six, please. With your support, we will soon be
0: taking the oath of office on the steps of the United States Capitol, and we're going to have a whole—we're going to have a whole different country. As soon as I lift my hand from the Bible as your forty-seventh president, I will seal the border, shut down the invasion of millions and millions of people coming into our country and we will start an energy revolution.
1: We have more than anybody else. And, and I believe it, folks, and, and I think it is going to be an earth-shattering moment. Look, the Democrats are terrified right now. They they know that Joe Biden is is inept. Uh, the guy is, is rattled. Uh, he is suffering from dementia or senility or whatever kind of old age disease you want to call it. Uh, he's Even if he does, by some weird chance, get reelected, Joe Biden is not going to be able to finish out his term. Do you really want President Kamala Harris at the helm? But again, I don't believe that Trump or that um, Biden is going to be the guy. I do not believe that Biden is going to be the guy. So look, we're going to be going to the phone lines here. Um, Again, our telephone number, 901-260-5926. Who do you like, ladies and gentlemen, as Trump's running mate? in 2024. Uh, let's go to Ray in Tennessee. Hi, Ray. What'd you think about that rally last night?
12: Well, that's that's the thing, you know. Uh, I heard you say they're coming to see Trump, and, and I think there's more, a lot more to it than that. I, I don't think they're coming just to see him. I think they're coming to show their appreciation for what he did for three and a half years, their, their appreciation for him putting our country and us first. And 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 how much they want him to to have another four years to to do it over again, I don't I don't think it's kind of like a you know coming to see a rock star or something like that you know, and uh, and, and I I think I don't I don't know who Trump's going to pick for vice president I, uh, I I think it needs to be somebody who 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 can step in step into his shoes after this four years since he'll be he won't be able to run another four years you know.
1: Ray, that's the, that's the point, is whoever that pick is has to be able to, 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 to carry the flag of the movement. And, and yeah. you're right. I don't think this is about Trump being a rock star or a celebrity. I think this is about a movement. Why else would you stand in line in the frigid cold for five or six hours? It, it makes no sense. I mean, we saw the same thing happen in, in Iowa. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen when Trump gets to Nevada for the caucuses. That'll be coming up after New Hampshire and then South Carolina, which is going to be, I think that'll be Nikki Haley's um, last stand. But I think what we're dealing with here is is not a candidate, Ray, but a, a movement.
13: That's right.
12: All right. I, I, don't, I don't know if, uh, I, I just hope that the people funding Nikki Haley will, will, will make, We'll make that
1: her last stand because, uh, yeah, that remains to be seen. Nick, Ray, I'm really concerned about that. Uh, I will tell you, I am concerned about that because they, ha- if, if she's got the money flowing in, there's really no reason for her not to drop out. Um, that being said, I could see, and and again, I don't want to get too conspiratorial here, but if, if Haley stays in to the convention, I could see where there might be shenanigans. But I'm telling you, Ray, if if Trump is winning all the primary battles, he's winning all the caucuses, and we get to that convention and he's not the nominee, I think you will see the end of the Republican Party right then and there.
12: Definitely. Well, I I kind of think that uh, uh, I I think there's going to have to be a, a remake of the Republican Party. Period. And Trump's the one to get it. You know, he got it started three and a half years ago, and and you know we've got a whole lot of. Make America great. Republicans yeah. in Congress now, and uh, we we just need we need to get more in there, more more that will put uh, you know our interests and the country's interests first above all these special interests and other countries and I mean it's just it's just. I see these illegals and all this, and it's just totally ridiculous what what they're doing
1: to our country. America first, Ray. America first. Appreciate that call, sir, and thank you for listening. Let's go to North Carolina. Rita is listening to us today on WSIC. Hi, Rita. What's on your mind?
14: Well, I wanted to comment on uh, the vice president pick. Uh, I like Christy Nome a lot. I would be okay with her in every way, shape, and or form, but I'd like to suggest Tulsi Gabbard. Because she's an independent that went she is a Democrat that left their party. She's an independent. She's got some governmental experience and she's retired military.
1: Wow. So you like Tulsi Gabbard. Now you know she's on the she's on the other side of the pro life issue. Does that would that bother you?
14: Well, I I'm not pro life at I mean I am very pro life one thousand percent. But I think it's, we spend a lot of time trying to legislate morality that cannot be legislated.
1: That is very, I Rita, think, that's an interesting point. I will say this as vice president, uh, Tulsi Gabber would have no say over abortion policy one way or, or the other. And again, right now the issue has been moved back to the state. So the argument could be made that that's a moot point, her position on the um, on the abortion issue. Absolutely. All right. Rita, we'll see what other folks have to say about that, but we've got you down. And uh, again, I, li- I, li- I like Christy Nome. My concern with Tulsi Gabbard would be her position on abortion, but as Rita said, that's not an issue for her. Um, and when you look at when you look at life after Roe v. Wade, that issue goes back to the states. All right, we've got to take a quick break. Uh, lines are open nine zero one two six zero five nine two six. This is the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back to the Todd Stearns Radio Program. Great to have you with us. We also want to welcome all of our viewers on Newsmax 2 as we simulcast this hour of the program. Uh, By the way, folks, uh, just a reminder that we are actively promoting the pre-sale of the new book, uh, my new book called Twilight's Last Gleaming, Can America Be Saved? Uh, That book will be in bookstores on March 19th. But we would love for you to go and pre-order a copy right now. You can do that at your favorite bookstore. You can also go to Amazon and get yourself a copy of the book there. And very soon, we're going to be announcing our national book tour. We're going to be coming to a lot of our radio station affiliates around the nation. And all I can tell you is we're going to be spending a lot of time in North Carolina. So we'll just leave it there. I want to go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. Always an honor to have with us our friend from Pennsylvania, Congressman Scott Perry. Congressman, hope you're doing well today.
11: I'm doing awesome, Todd. It's great to uh, it's great to talk to you, and I I sure hope you spend a little time in Pennsylvania. I hear it's going to be important during the uh, presidential. Uh, election and the race in the election. So I hope maybe you'll consider coming to PA because we'd love to have you.
1: I would. I would love to do that. And uh, it's a it's a great state. And uh, you guys are doing some great stuff there. And you're right. It is going to be one of the one of the battlegrounds. You know, uh, Congressman. I I want to talk about uh, the election. If if it's for you know for the starting off point here, uh, with Governor DeSantis bowing out yesterday, I believe. Uh, It was the right thing to do, and I was glad to see him endorsing President Trump. At what point do do the Republicans have to say, this is over, Donald Trump is the guy, it didn't work out for you, Nikki Haley, but we got to get on board here?
11: Well, you know, the Republican Party is full of a lot of good and capable people that could, could be president, but the only one that's going to be president is Donald Trump. We all know that. And so Ron DeSantis is a fine, genuine man, man of faith, a good family man, obviously. Uh he he's he's been an excellent an outstanding he's been the best governor of, of all of them and we all know that. Just not his time, and so it's uh it was the right thing to do to uh to step aside and and get behind President Trump and everybody needs to do to do that immediately. Joe Biden, every single day, Todd, is destroying our country, every single minute of every single day. And we need all our resources and all our focus trained on that target and trained on getting him uh, out of the presidency. And, and, you know, I don't know what your book's going to say, but certainly the country can be saved, but not with Joe Biden there. We've got to have it starts with President Trump. That's where it starts.
1: Well, well, it does, and and you're right, and I do believe the country can be saved. Um, going back to and the book is based on a speech Reagan gave many years ago about our national anthem and the anthem asking a series of questions. Um, can can you still see the Star Spangled Banner fly? Right. And, and that's look that goes along with another statement that Reagan delivered: is that freedom is is passed along is not passed along through our bloodstream. Every generation has to fight for freedom. And Congressman, this is our generation's moment and and I don't see President Trump running a campaign as much as I do leading a movement to save america.
8: Well, you're
11: absolutely right, Todd. It is a movement, and a lot of people like to characterize it as the populist movement because they don't want they don't want to see him in the Republican Party and they don't want to think of the Republican Party of as of having anything to do with Donald Trump. But the Republican Party should be Donald Trump and Donald Trump should be the 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 example of the Republican Party. And I'll tell you why, because he says what he's going to do and then he goes and he does it. And that's what all Republicans should do. But unfortunately, look, I, I, you know, I love the title. I don't know if people sometimes they're not sure they can see uh, the twilight's last gleaming because they hear candidates say say one thing. And they get into office and they refuse to do it, or they can't find some way to do it, but they can find a million excuses uh, to tell you why it couldn't be done. That's why this movement is about Donald Trump. It is the Republican party. It's a can do and will do and must do Republican party. And they know he will.
1: I I love it. And and I I love the coalition he's put together. Um, We've got a lot of work to do between now and election day. Um, I love how they did things in Iowa, which is uh, when they counted those ballots, everybody had to show up. You had to have an ID. You cast a paper ballot. Those ballots were counted day of, and by the end of the evening, we knew who won the caucuses there in in, in Iowa. And I think there's a lesson, Congressman for us because boy, we d-
11: boy, you're, you're not kidding, Todd. I've come from Pennsylvania where you know now it takes us a couple weeks to figure out who won the election. We vote for fifty days in advance of the election. You know, people get to mail it in and they get to put it in a drop box and and all this other stuff, Uh, you know, all this electronic technology. And yet in Iowa, paper paper ballots show up on Election Day with your identification in hand. And we know that evening who won. What a novel concept in the 21st century.
1: Well, I certainly hope it's something that the Republican Party will, um, you know, will really take seriously because we're going to have to get out there. Republicans are going to have to volunteer at the ballot box. They're going to have to be there on Election Day. Um, we've got to make sure we have our people in there as well, uh, just to make sure that everything goes smoothly, Congressman.
11: Without a doubt, Todd. Um, we need our, you know, the Republican Party can win every single election if the people that are actually registered Republican will come out and vote. And in Pennsylvania, there's no excuse. You've got 50 days in advance to vote. Uh, if you're not going to make it on election day, my goodness, request an absentee ballot. And of course, now they'll send you a mail-in ballot. I know some people don't like the rules. I don't like them either, Todd, but those are the rules of this, this operation now. And 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 I will tell you this, I believe that we're going to get back to paper ballots and you know in-person voting with an identification, but only after Republicans use this current system to whip the Democrats. Once we whip them, but their own rules, they're going to want to change the rules. You know that, Todd, because that's what they always do.
1: Congressman, real quick, uh, Speaker Mike Johnson um, really getting um, getting some criticism from the House Freedom Caucus, among others. Is is this going to be able to be salvaged, or are we dealing with basically a junior-level version of Kevin McCarthy?
11: Well, I think it can be salvaged, but, you know, it's not like we didn't tell the Speaker that this was going to happen. We told him in November and, you know, everybody was whispering in his ear, Christmas is coming, you can't have this fight now, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, I know that the Republican Party, Todd, is a big tent, and we don't always all agree on things. And all our districts, you know, aren't the same. There are some Republicans serving in what we call plus Biden districts. But I would just say this, the country is falling, and yeah. uh, and America can see it, and they demand urgent action. If you can't stick up for the Constitution, if you can't stick up for the Republican Party platform, and if you can't, uh, if you're unwilling to get in a scuffle uh, with uh, with Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden, I I don't know why you bother ran, why you bothered running for election. And so sooner or later, Todd, we're going to have to offend somebody, and it's going to be the Democrats
1: and Congressman. We got to leave it there. They're going to cut us off here. The computer is. But we appreciate you coming on the program today. Uh, everybody, Congressman Scott Perry from the great state of Pennsylvania. We'll be right back. Your calls coming up next. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the show. Good to have you with us. And uh, by the way, if you haven't already done so, you should consider following us, uh, watching us on our YouTube live stream over at Todd Sterns. Uh, just uh, search for my name, and uh, you'll see our live stream, and uh, we do the big chat and everything, and it's fun uh, during the commercial break to uh, chat back and forth with uh, with our great viewers and listeners. All right, as promised, let's get right to the telephone lines. Let's say hello to Catherine, and uh, Catherine, I, are you in, you're in Massachusetts? Is that right? Yes, I am,
3: Todd, and um, I also uh, was a Democrat for over forty five plus years. Wow. And I changed to um, Donald Trump, and I am going to vote for Donald Trump again.
1: Catherine, uh, I am so curious about your um, your conversion to the Republican way of life. Uh, can mm-hmm. you can you walk me through that? Why did you decide to vote for a Republican?
3: Okay, I am very much into uh, politics, and I love watching the debates. And um, I just did not like. Uh, I have a gut feeling, and my gut feeling always seems to be right. But when I was listening to Joe Biden. Uh, at the debate with Trump and calling the sitting president a clown and to shut up. I thought that was so rude from a person who said, look at his character, meaning he he would have had better back character. But I found that to be so rude. And then when I saw Nancy Pelosi tearing up the State of the Union address while Trump was giving his speech, i just, I don't know, maybe because I'm old school, but I found that so disrespectful, and I did not like it. And let's come up to current date, uh, the border situation. You know, I think Americans are very compassionate. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, legal entry, you have control. Illegal is out of control. And not to even mention the diseases that must be coming through. I mean, in the, in the cost. And when we have vets, who serve this country, living on the streets. I mean, that's just not, a, I just can't accept that. So in all good judgment, I could not vote for Joe Biden. And um, I think he's a pathetic liar, to be honest with you. I hate to say that about the president of the United States. But, you know, people can say, oh, so is Trump. Oh, so is this. And he's got such a big mouth. Well, you know what? Trump shows his true colors. Joe Biden does not. Joe Biden is the great pretender. He comes across like he he's going to bring us all together. Well, I'm, I've been a Democrat all my life, and I've had people attack me for the first time that I turned to Republican. And he allows those people to do that because he's calling Republicans a threat to democracy, house, terrorists. I mean, those names are not going to bring people together. I don't think you need an education to realize that. And um, I'm just so against um, Joe Biden. It hurts me to say that because, like I said, I was a Democrat all my life. But my country comes before party. And well, I like what Donald Trump did for this country. I, I really did.
1: Well, Catherine, uh-huh. uh, on this radio program, we we love to celebrate when a Democrat uh, converts to the Republican way of life. And uh, we've, we've got to celebrate that, Catherine. Dylan, I think the, the Todd Starnes Radio Show Choir... Is uh, I, I I think we're we're ready for a miracle, Catherine. Are you ready for a miracle, Catherine? I
3: can't, I know with no doubt in my mind, I know it's going to win. I have no doubt in my mind.
1: And Catherine, shout hallelujah, Catherine.
3: I have no doubt.
1: Honey, out. Catherine's yeah. not shouting hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Let's keep that music going. Catherine, are you excited? You're voting for Donald Trump. You're voting as a Republican. Are you excited, Catherine?
3: Yes, I am, and I don't care who knows about it. Yes, I am.
1: I, well, Catherine, shout hallelujah! Catherine, shout hallelujah! Hallelujah!
3: And plus, God is behind this, I can't believe that. And uh, and uh, as long as uh, you know, everything's been taken away from this country. I can't believe it. Like I said, I'm old school. I can't stand our statues being taken down, and now they're even talking about the Statue of Liberty. And this is um, this is oh, she's a fundamentalist uh, just, I- and cancel culture. This is this is just so unreal. And um, I don't know. I'm a senior. Uh, so Joe Biden's a senior and Donald Trump's a senior. The only difference is uh, our minds are all there and his is not. He definitely has dementia. Uh, we've all have seen people with dementia, and he definitely has all all
1: the. All right, dementia. well, Catherine, we're going to celebrate with you. Thank you for calling in, and I think you just made our day. And uh, again, folks, ladies and gentlemen, we love to celebrate when a Democrat converts to the Republican way of life. And we shout hallelujah, America. I love Wow, I feel like I've gone to church, ladies and gentlemen. So good for Catherine. What was it? She was a Democrat for 45 years. 45 years, ladies and gentlemen. This woman was a Democrat. And now she is voting for Donald Trump. Wow, how about that? All right, um, let's get right back to the phones here. Uh, let's go to Lance in Texas watching us on Newsmax 2. Lance, how about that? We had a conversion experience today.
4: Well, hallelujah and praise
10: the Lord. <laughs> I,
1: I, I love it when this happens on the program.
10: You betcha. Hey, listen, I think the only reason Biden ever got elected is he passed himself off as a moderate. He fooled them all. And so, you know, Nikki Haley needs to drop off that campaign of hers and get behind Trump. Matter of fact, all the Republicans need to get behind Trump. If they all did that, that would scare a living hell out of all the Democrats.
1: Well, I, I think you're right there, Lance. Uh, and again, Nikki Haley has no business being anywhere near the White House. Uh, but if if she could drop out and she could throw her support behind Donald Trump, I think that we could have a unified party here.
10: I agree. And Todd, the reason I called, you were asking for ideas or people's opinions on for a VP. Yeah. I think I when the Democrats are sitting there, and I think they're dangling Michelle Obama as a possible replacement for Biden, I think we need to put Candace Owens in as our VP. I think Candace Owens would be a fighter. She'd be a great VP.
1: Candace Owens. are You know, this is interesting. Um, a, a lot of people, you know, she is, a, she, I wouldn't say she's polarizing, but... You either like Candace Owens or you don't like Candace Owens, and there's been a lot of controversy right now between her and Ben Shapiro, um, and especially among the Jewish community. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure Trump's going to be looking in that direction. I, I will say this, Lance, and this, and I appreciate the call. Um, one name that has been thrown out there is is very intriguing. His name is Lee Zeldin former congressman out of New York, Staten Island, happens to be Jewish, and he came very close to upsetting the current governor in New York State in that gubernatorial race. I've had a chance to hear Lee um, speak, and the guy ha- has an incredible message uh, to bring to the country. Is is he going to be the VP? I don't know. But he's a rock-solid guy, and uh, anybody who can come that close to winning – and beating Democrats in New York State, that's somebody we ought to pay very close attention to. 901-260-5926 is our number. That's 901-260-5926. Let's go to Bill in Pennsylvania watching us on Newsmax 2. Hi, Bill. Who do you like today?
10: Well, if you're asking for a vice president pick, there's several good ones, I think. But I'd have to go with Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think she's great.
1: MTG, You know, Georgia, quite frankly, could be a battleground state, and uh, she is incredibly popular there.
10: Well, she's a fighter. That's what I like about her. She fights just as much as Donald Trump does, and she's always uh, backed Donald Trump up 100%. Uh, very intelligent, and I don't think she'd back down from anybody.
1: Well, no, no I, I don't think she, uh, you would ever uh, find anybody that would accuse Marjorie Taylor Greene of backing down from a fight. Bill, <laughs> <laughs> Bill, we've got you down there. Appreciate you watching us today. Let's go to John in California. Hi, John. What's on your mind?
8: Oh, I'm going to talk about that. That the DeSantis dropped out, but oh, Nikki Haley. Now she, you know what she's doing? She's playing the race card. <laughs> that being back, I tell you, if she if she uh, uh, upsets Trump, I, I uh, uh, tries to do that. I, I think we are. Well, we are she ought to go over to the Democratic Party. Well, I think she,
1: like the, the argument could be made, John, based on her policies. And keep in mind, uh, one of the things that really concerned me is when she came out and said that, um, that you have to have an ID if you want to be on social media, uh, that you can't be anonymous. Uh, you've got to be able to have some sort of a form of ID. I've got a big problem with that. The government sticking their nose in the business of Facebook or Twitter. Uh, got a big, big problem with that. So I think the argument could be made, John, and I appreciate the call, uh, that Nikki Haley could be a conservative Democrat. I mean, a very conservative Democrat, but certainly a Democrat. All right, let's go to Richard in California. Hi, Richard. Who do you like as VP?
10: Uh-huh. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I start off really um, wanting Carrie Lake, and then I kind of seen Ramaswamy, you know, filling in. But after giving it very serious thought, uh, I've concluded that a retired Lieutenant Colonel Allen West would be the absolute best choice. We are in a a chaos. The world's in chaos. Our country's in chaos. Allen West is uh, almost identical to uh, President Trump and his politics economic and world beliefs and i think he would he would really you know and then we also have to consider what would happen if if trump you know something happened to him who do we want to serve in this, uh, as president and take over and i think uh lieutenant colonel alan west would do that he's got a 22 year career in the army he's got bronze star uh, emeritus service medals he's you know and he's written three three books uh you know all very conservative um, he's, um, what, you know, he was um, in a life. He's a life member of the American Legion, leg, legacy life member, of uh, veterans of foreign wars. Um, he's been uh, director of Booker T. Washington uh, Initiative, uh, right. former director of. Well, National look,
1: I, of I, look. I mean, you're you're running down a great resume list there, and you know, I I like Alan. He's been a, a regular guest on on the radio show. Uh, he was just on Newsmax uh, last week on our program. Um, I look, I think he'd do a terrific job. And the good news here, I think, Richard, is that the bench for Republicans when it comes to vice president is is pretty deep, and we're not going to. This is not some sort of a throwaway position, but we do want somebody in that um, in that vice president's uh, chair uh, who can step in should the need arise. And and I think, look, Alan West, I think, would do a terrific job there. All right, appreciate that call Richard. Folks, we've got to take a quick break here. Full lines right now, so if uh, if you're getting a busy signal, keep on trying 901-260-5926. This is the Todd Starn show. All right, folks, coming up on our Newsmax television program that starts in just under 10 minutes from now, Uh, we're going to be talking with Carrie Lake, also Walker Wildman from American Family Association, Mary Walter and Ben Dieter uh, join us for our radio roundtable. So it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, and you're going to want to watch uh, today's program. All right, um, I want to get right back to the phone lines. As uh, promised, a lot of you folks uh, wanting to weigh in today. Let's go to Arizona and say hello to Eunice watching us on Newsmax 2. Eunice, you are on the air. What's on your mind?
14: Well, I just thought I'd like to find out why people don't want our president to show strength in his mannerisms. I mean, I just adore the man just because He's so strong. And I don't, I think uh, Alan West would make a good uh, VP. So that's a, I just don't understand people wanting somebody who's always apologizing.
1: Eunice, uh, I think the problem here is toxic masculinity. You know, we've got a movement to to basically um, attack men for being men, for behaving like men. And they really want to. Feminize men in America. And we have certainly seen that in the military. And when somebody like a Donald Trump comes along, who's a man's man, uh, the guy who loves, uh, you know, professional wrestling, uh, the mixed martial arts, it really triggers a lot of people. And I think that's one of the problems we're dealing with here.
14: I don't understand why we don't have men be men. I love the strength of a man. I mean, that's. We. All have our good uh, characteristics, and I just I just admire a man who's you know strong and and can do whatever we need him to do, and then we do what we need to do.
1: A manly so, man. That's it. A manly man, it. Eunice. <laughs> that's it. So remember, thank you very remember. Much for your show. Well, thank you, Eunice. Remember the old Archie Bunker Remember "All in the Family," the great song when. Oh. Uh, Time when boys were girls were girls and men were men. That's a right, great right. Point. Thank all right. you so much, Eunice. Thank, but, thank you for calling in uh, there from Arizona. Uh, let's say hello to Brenda in New Mexico. Hi, Brenda. What's on your mind?
13: Well, I have a serious pick for VP. I'm all ears, and you and hear what I've got to say. I would say it was Tim Scott. Why? He wholeheartedly supports Trump. He, he believes and he's on board with all his policies. He's African-American. He fits all the boxes. He's recognizable. They, they would support each other. They would be trustworthy together. They'd make one hell of a pair. I mean, just think about it. Four years of Trump, and after that, he's, he would be set for the for the presidency in eight years. We'd have 12 years of peace.
1: You know, it's interesting, Brenda, uh, Tim Scott over the weekend just got engaged, um, and that was a, that was actually a concern among people, is that he was a single guy. I'm not sure why that makes a difference one way or the other, but it did uh, for some people. And uh, anyway, popped the question there in South Carolina over the weekend.
13: But look at his positivity. I mean, he, he's so positive. He's got a beautiful smile. He thinks the world of Trump. We need two people up there that feed off each other, and, and they support each other. And they would make us so proud on the Republican side. You know, and he fits all the boxes.
1: Just fair, whether fair you're
13: female or male, hey, he's perfect.
1: All right. So we've got you down, Brenda. A lot to think about. And a great look, folks, great picks. And it goes back to this one truth. We have a very deep bench. The question is, who is the person after Donald Trump that can legitimately carry the banner of the America First movement. And by the way, this is not the first time in American history where we have had an America First movement. So back in the 1920s and 1930s, there was an America First movement afoot, and I think we're going, to see, um, we're going to see that, again, rise as we determine that we have to put the needs, we have to put – the, the responsibilities of America before everybody else. I mean, that's, that's, that's got to be the way it is. And most importantly, as President Trump promised us yesterday, by the way, the president will be holding another rally tonight, and I'm sure he'll bring this up again. He said as soon as he walks into that office, the first order of business is to seal that border and shut down the invasion. I believe that the president is going to deliver on that promise and then we have to start the arduous process of removing all of the illegal invaders from this country. That is something that has to be done. All right, folks, it has been a great and busy day. Tomorrow is primary day in New Hampshire. We're going to be providing you with all sorts of great information. We'll also be checking with Newsmax Correspondents Boots on the Ground in New Hampshire, and we're going to be taking your calls as always. Coming up, ladies and gentlemen head over to Newsmax 2. One hour of great conversation. Carrie Lake among our very special guests. In the meantime, you get out there, you stay warm, America, and you be good. We'll see you tomorrow.